Hi, I'm Nick Rothschild with ABC7 in Denver. You're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the ProSource Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Nee Willis-Bruce, and I am joined by Mr. Kobe Durand, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm still getting over this cold, but it's it's on the right on the back end. So I think in a couple of days I'll be 100 percent again. So I'm I'm feeling all right. Very good. Just in time for your trip away, so that'll be good. You don't want to take that with you. Someone who's taking something a lot nicer is our guest for today. He he's based in Las Vegas. He fights under the flag of Sweden. He's also has Senegalese heritage. So we're going to get into a lot of that and more. And he's also our first ever million-dollar winner on our show. We've had World Cup winners, Olympic gold medalists, national champions, but this gentleman won the PFL million-dollar prize in 2022, so we're going to talk about that. It's the Swedish Denzel Washington, otherwise known as Sadi Sai. Sadi, how are you doing? Hey, guys. I'm amazing. Thank you for the introduction. Thank you for having me. And uh, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. No doubt. And Sadi, tell us a little bit about your journey into MMA. Was that something you always wanted to do? How did you get into the the fighting scene? Uh, so we have to go back to 2002. I was in Stockholm, Sweden. Like you said, I'm based, uh, based, uh, born and raised in Sweden. And I was actually a soccer player, and that was my that was my dream, becoming like a soccer star, right? Um, then. Uh, 14, 15 years old, uh, I was going to change teams that I played for. Meanwhile, like trying to figure out which team I was going to play for, I just tried a kickboxing session and I forgot all about football, soccer. Uh, at that point, I just started to train and it was, it was just something new, something fun. So I started to compete in kickboxing and Muay Thai, only stand-up fighting. And doing that for... I don't know how many years, 10 years, maybe the MMA scene started to grow and, and like I, I became world champion in both kickboxing and Muay Thai, but people were being like, yeah, but MMA is the shit. MMA, like, I was like, I don't really like grappling. I don't really like wrestling, but like, maybe I should like try to get into MMA just so I can get more opportunities, more fights, whatever. Right. Did my first MMA fight pro MMA fight because I went from <clears throat> from kickboxing Muay Thai I didn't do an amateur MMA I went straight to to, to a professional uh, fight and I fell in love with it right away like it was sitting like ground and ground and pound and like taking people down like it was it was something it was it was like next level of fighting <laughs> and I just I just got uh, after my first fight, I realized I'm like I don't think I'm gonna go back to kickboxing and Muay Thai. People like ask me all the time, 
like, are you, are you competing in kickball? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one do you like more? I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I like it all. But, like, in my mind, I knew that MMA was the shit. Nice. And yeah. I believe you're our third Swedish guest on the show. Which who do you have before? You are, you are our first that's involved with football. The previous two guests were involved with hockey. So, which football clubs were you looking at when you were looking to pl- play? So I, uh, I played for uh, a club called Vasalund, uh, which is uh, one of the like in, in youth soccer. It's one of the like, best best clubs, and uh, I was actually looking at another club called Essinge, which at that time they merged and became one team. So that's why I was like, hmm, which team should I go to? Because I wasn't, I didn't get along with the coaches and stuff like that at that particular time. So, so it was, it was hard. That, that's why I had like a, a, like a small period of time where I just tried a kickboxing session and forgot all about soccer. Fair enough. Kobe spent some time in Sweden, didn't you? Yeah, I've spent a fair amount of time in Sweden, Sadi. I've got family there. Yeah. And, <clears throat> Really? Yeah, I, I tried. Uh, I went to a little bit of high school in Sweden just to see what it was like, and I got to play some football or soccer in Sweden. So I, I know Sweden very well. Now, my my father's side of the family is actually from the Netherlands, and kickboxing was huge in Europe oh, yeah. you know, a number of years sure. back. So was it right around that time, like right around the early 2000s, where it started to lose a little bit of its luster and everybody was looking at at MMA at the time? Yeah, so I actually started with kickboxing at 2002. Uh, so I believe when I when I got in, it was still like the K1 was still the K1, if you may, if that yeah. makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. And kickboxing was still the, it was still the shit, so to speak. And I believe the next coming years, you could see a slight change in like the, how do you call it? The popularity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With, with like the change of like kickboxing and Muay Thai, like it got down a little bit, or, or maybe it was just MMA growing. I don't know. So I, I did my first MMA fight, 2013, I believe. Uh, so it took it took me a lot of time before before getting over. But by then, kickboxing. The reason for me getting over also was because it was hard for me to getting good fights in in kickboxing and Muay Thai, mm-hmm. and like you know, like you put on, you have to, you have to spend so much time, energy, and what you get back for it was like was not a lot, right? So, so for me to to go over to MMA, and it was one of the big reasons was because then we were growing and there was so much more people involved. There's so much more opportunities. Now, I've seen a number of your MMA fights. I've not seen any of your kickboxing fights. What what was your kickboxing record when you when you quit? I believe maybe eighty-five, five, something like that. Eighty-five and five. Yeah, I, I was four-time world champion in kickboxing and Muay Thai. Um, one of one fight that I actually want to have, have back is Alex Pereira lost his glory, but the last fight before he fought uh, uh, before he went to UFC. Okay. So him and a guy, a Russian fighter called uh, Artem Vakitov. Uh, he's a uh, he's a glory champion. He's the glory champion right now. So they took the bet from each other. So I fought Vakitov uh, in the in the World Cup finals. I believe it was 2012, maybe mm-hmm. something like that. And yeah, 2012. And 
uh, announced the decision against him, and, I, and he he was like, it was like a re, for me the best guy that I fought when I had to be on my A game, which I wasn't to be able to uh, to beat him, which I still believe that I could. Right. So a lot of the guys that Easy and Alex Pereira has fought, I've fought, and not a lot, but some of them I've fought as well in in kickboxing and Muay Thai, right? So, but the thing is, when I when I just started to getting familiar with the pro kickboxing, I started going into MMA because my plan was at the beginning to do MMA kickboxing and Muay Thai simultaneously. But I understood that it was so much like the difference between MMA and, and just striking was so much more different than I thought. Like I was very naive going in. So for me, I, I would I, I didn't want to uh, do any kickboxing fights and training MMA. I, if if I'm gonna do kickboxing, I'm, I want to train kickboxing. And I understood that my goal and the path for my for most of my success were, would be in MMA. So that's why I stuck with it. Okay. Yeah, Saudi. Now let's let's take the ten o'clock back to November last year. You got to fight in the PFL World Championship, Madison Square Garden in New York. Take us yeah. through that experience. Oh man, like it was amazing. I believe I've, I've fought for PFL for four years, right? So being an alternate for the finals two times, uh, and one time uh, I had a draw in the quarterfinals. Against the guy who actually eventually won, so I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. I just need a couple of things, tweaks to, 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 to be able to win, right? So, so making the move to Las Vegas from Sweden uh, and actually seeing the differences in my game, and now finally making it to the finals, like it felt amazing. I actually think that it somehow tastes better just because I had to go through like the bumps <clears throat> and like the finding the right recipe and like sitting down with my coaches and like you know uh, not not I don't, I don't I don't think that it would have been as sweet if I just were to win it the first year if you like if you so yeah so it's an amazing amazing experience mm-hmm and you, you touched on the fact that you got close a couple of times beforehand. Yeah. If you don't mind, were there some adjustments that you and your coaches had made to, I guess, get to that next level? Or, I mean, some fighters would have just given up at that stage. What did you do to keep it going to get to, to get it right this time around? So, like, for me, it's very important, I believe, as a fighter, as a professional athlete. Honesty is one of the most important things because if I if I go to a, if I lose against an opponent and I'm just gonna try to blame things you see people they blaming the fighters they blame the they they blame that they, like there's always an excuse and I believe that as, for as long as you have excuses you're not gonna learn and if you don't learn you're not gonna get better and then it's actually a defeat in my mind right if you learn from it and get better of it it's I, I see it as like like a, some, something learning more, more, more so than a defeat. So what I want to say is I had a lot of things like two times during the season, I had knee surgeries. And as you know, the PFL format, is, is it doesn't allow you to postpone a fight. It doesn't allow you to 
miss weight. It doesn't allow you to do anything. Like you have your schedule and you fight or you don't. And if you don't, someone else is going to step in. That's why we have the alternates, right? So I've had things not like going in my way uh, with my health, so to speak. But at the same time, I had a lot of fights. Us, me and my coaches, we looked at my fights and we were like, it's okay. So if you're fighting me, what would you do? And the answer was easy. I would try to dive on your legs and just hold you down and wait until you get tired. That was the recipe to beat me. So we were like, it doesn't matter what you need. It doesn't matter with this and this and this. We need to fix this. So, and that's exactly what I did. So when I removed that part of the game that didn't allow my opponent to just be able to dictate where the fight was going to be and being able to get me down or get me tired, things started to open up. So it was a little bit of both. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Like um, uh, I'm trying to say that things happen because of the format, these four fights in, in six, yeah. seven months. Yeah. But uh, I tried to not use excuses, so to speak. Right. You kind of worked with the schedule a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you made it work. You figured it out. Now, yeah. Yeah. you touched on the fact that the PFL, I mean, because there are other promotions, there are other competitions where if you miss weight, you know, they might just take it out of your purse. But <laughs> yeah. the, the PFL, they don't muck around. You're not fighting. Do you feel like that yeah. brings more integrity to the to the fight and the competition itself? So, I honestly believe so. Because we, we signed a contract. We signed a contract saying that at this specific date, both of us are going to wait this much for the fight to happen, right? Because you have people, I've seen people, they miss weight by six, eight pounds, and they're still allowed to fight, which is freaking another weight class, and they lose 20% of their pay, but you, you're not going in and, like, playing tennis or play, like, you, you're actually going into a fist fight. So someone has killed themselves in the, uh, in the sauna, being a professional or whatever, making weight and now you're coming in like so i don't i i think that the weight there's so many different things with the weight classes that needs to be solved but i just like you said like it's it's harsh if you if you, for the finals if you if you miss the, the weight you're not fighting someone else will be fighting you just missed an opportunity to fight for one million dollars like i like that yeah i i know kobe likes that too don't you Big time. You know how I feel about people missing weight. <laughs> I could go on, on and on about that. But yeah, something I wanted to ask you. So, like, you basically went from uh, regional promotions to the PFL. Why did you choose the PFL? To be honest, like I was six and one in my was my record, I believe, when I signed with PFL, and. The goal was to to get one, two more fights and then getting to to the UFC. But my manager called me up and he was like, "I have I have something, and we need to sit down. I have I have something big." Like, and I was like, "Yeah, what's going on?" And he told me about PFL. He told me about Ray Sefo, and he was like, "Yeah, like they say that you're inexperienced in MMA." And like I said, I have like uh, ninety fights before, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not like, inexperienced in fighting. But they were like, yeah, but you're a kickboxer. So we think that even though you're going to fight guys that has three times, four times more fights than you have in MMA, we believe that you're experiencing kickboxing. And also, you have Ray Sefo who, 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 who who's going to gonna love your style, right? Mm-hmm. 
so so we think we can get you in and i was like yeah and they told me about they told me about like the format and like everything i was like this sounds too good to be true because like i literally went from fighting for peanuts to be able to get into one of the big shows just like trying to you know you work on your resume uh, whatever whatever right that's so, right from the from the beginning, I was like, ah, "This sounds too good to be true." And when we actually started, I was like, "It's gonna be for one year. Like, they're not gonna be able to go to go back to back to like with all this money." But it's it's been amazing. So for me, when I got in, I understood, I saw the difference from from the level of professional, the promotion uh, from from what what I've been fighting at, and also. Uh, I've been around a lot of different organizations. I've uh, teammates competing in One FC and UFC and Bellator, whatever. I understood that PFL, in my mind, tried to become a fighters' league. With that being said, they actually listen to things that we say. Okay, we don't think this is the best way. Okay, and then you could see like next couple months they try to change it or try at least listen to what the fighters are saying and trying to build something good for fighters to want to be there. So so that's that's why I, I I got there and that's why I'm still there. Okay, and then uh, something I want to ask you directly because now that I found out the levels of which you've reached in, in Thai kickboxing and kickboxing, outside yeah. of the million dollars, let's not count the million dollars, but how was the pay at a P at the PFL and an MA promotion versus what you had in K1? No, it's, it's, you can't even compare it. Like you, like the best guys in the, I, I don't know how, how like the one FC pay their, their strikers. Okay. Uh, but other than us, so I, I have no idea, but I believe that the entry level fighters in PFL are making, probably making uh, around the same as like the highest level strikers. Okay. It's big difference. Yeah, it's it's a big difference. Like, of course, there's a few anomalies that, that, that the big names that they make that draws and like you're not gonna. I'm not talking about the Badr Hari. I'm not talking about like like those guys that has the name, right? I'm mm-hmm. thinking. I'm talking about like guys that are on the highest level but don't have the name yet. It's you, you can't compare the the person uh, in MMA and in boxing. Okay. And I don't know why. Yeah, it, it's it's strange to me actually. Now you said you didn't believe it when they came to you with the offer. Yeah. Did you have any idea in your mind that you'd be fighting guys like Ray Cooper and Rory McDonald within just a few years? I had no idea. Like I saw the roster and I saw some of the names that I that I that I knew. Like you had for the first season, you had a couple of. UFC vets, right? So I was like, yeah, okay, they, they got a couple of names. But I didn't think that people would actually in there, not only because the first thing that happened was guys that that didn't get maybe a renewed contract from their big promotion got there. Mm-hmm. But after two to three years, now you saw people actually turning down UFC contracts to get to the PFL and not being on the end of their career, right? So at the first, like I said, like I didn't, I was like, you have to show me to believe it, right? But then, like I said, like I could see how ambitious they were and they didn't, like, they did make no apologies for doing nothing. Like, 
the first organization except UFC uh, having uh, having shows in Vegas, going after the biggest the biggest free agents, like making so many shows and like so for me I'm like and also like I said I from each year you could see the people kind of getting involved with the PFL like investors and everything. So I was like man they're really trying to do something amazing here and um, uh, I started to believe it obviously when we saw the numbers and like uh, right now I believe that the numbers is the second most second in views uh, after UFC and uh, in most of the f- metrics uh, consider this second largest uh, MMA organization in the world. So now I'm not believing it. Now I'm just I'm in it, and I'm seeing like you see you see a guy like Jake Paul uh, signing. You see a guy maybe maybe like Francis, who's actually the was the current heavyweight champion of the UFC, maybe coming over like mm-hmm. like, and that's not to think that five years ago it didn't exist. And to think that, oh, we might get the UFC heavyweight champion, current UFC heavyweight champion, not Verdum that was. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's amazing how fast the organization has grown. And I'm not surprised because I've seen the work they put in. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Now, I've been analyzing MMA from the very beginning. I've been around since since it started. And I got to yeah. say, I, I love the PFL system and that I love the fact that you guys essentially rank yourselves. Okay, yeah. so that, yeah. that is something I really appreciate about that system. You don't have some outside guy saying, well, I think this guy's better. You got to look at the points and that tells you, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But what, what it does do and this might not be a question for you, although I'm sure you can comment on it. Yeah. What it does do is it creates a larger number of draws. Yep. Now, I don't think you're bothered by a draw, but do you know if any of the, say, former UFC fighters that are now in PFL, if, if getting a draw is still as disappointing to them as it would have been in the UFC, where a draw essentially means nothing? Like you, when you say draw, you mean you mean like uh, like in the fight, like uh, like nobody wins. That's what you mean. Correct. The decision is a draw. Gotcha. So the thing is, it does, but at the same time, the, so for the first two seasons, for 2018 and 2019, we had the format of the quarterfinals being two rounds, mm-hmm. and then the semifinals going to be three rounds during the same night. And that's where you saw a lot of the draws, including myself. I had two draws in the, in the quarterfinals. One time I got, what do you call it, like they... Even after the draw, they 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 voted for me to go to the semifinals, and one time, uh, Ray Cooper uh, got voted to go to the semifinals. Yeah. But because of COVID, they took away the quarterfinals, so it's now only semifinals right away. So there's no two round fights, which eliminates a lot of the draws. Okay. Okay. So that's not going to be a problem this season, really. Not this season. I know that. That was one of the things like separating PFL from all the different other organizations. Also came from uh, from Ray Sefo, like with his K1, from the K1 Grand Prix fighting multiple times the same night. So I know and I think that they want to go back to it. I don't know if they're going to do it, but not this season for at least. So the draw is not a 
problem right now. But if if it becomes, I don't know. The, th- the fun part is for the first and second year. For the first year, uh, what they did because they wanted to they wanted to push the action, right? So they said, so if you win one round each, the guy that wins the first round is gonna go through to the semis, right? So what happened was everyone came out blasting the first round, and if you won the first round, you saw that. That happened to me as well. That's because I knew, okay, if I win the first round, as long as I don't get dropped, I'm gonna go through. So and the guy took me down. I'm just, I'm just holding down. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go through. It's no, it's nowhere. I don't, I'm not worried, right? So for the second, and so for the second year, they was like, so we're gonna, we're gonna judge the two rounds as one fight. So it's not gonna be first round, second round. It's gonna be who do we think did the best in those two rounds? And that goes back to what I was saying with the promotion being like. Mm, okay, there might be a better way to do this after the first season. Looking at it, and they changed it. So, yeah. So, so I don't, uh, we'll see. We just have to wait and see what they're gonna do for the next year. But uh, for now, the draw is not gonna be a problem. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I think the PFL's growth. I think it's really important how they listen to fighters like you and Nate, and they actually like action the 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 feedback of the conversations that you guys are having. So. Yeah, it's definitely good for the growth of the the competition. You mentioned Francis and Ganu, and yep. he's from Cameroon. I myself, I got Ghanaian, Ghanaian heritage, and when yeah. I saw your name, I thought, man, this guy sounds Senegalese. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so do you, do you have Senegalese ancestry at all? Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, my both mom and dad are born in Senegal. I was there actually on uh, after my fight. I went on a small victory tour in Senegal with my whole family and uh, like it was uh, you can you can watch it in my social media PFL actually flew in a guy a cameraman that followed me for 10 days over there like it was amazing the the reception that I got from Senegal like it was actually bigger than Sweden I tell you like uh, yeah so so yeah you're right um, and I always always want to have like Senegal is close to my heart, even though I grew up in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that's close to my heart is something called jollof rice. And jollof <laughs> if, actually is, if I'm not mistaken, is a Wolof word. And Wolof is a is a community that's from Senegal. So I'm going to yeah. ask: Did you did you grow up with a jollof rice or something similar in your household? And is it as big a thing in Senegal as this in Nigeria and Ghana? Of course, of course, I did. So you're right. You're you're very knowledgeable. Uh, my family are are Mandinka, which is uh, another what do you call it, like people groups of yeah. people from from Senegal and and Gambia, uh, who has a lot of the same culture, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So the jollof rice, uh, uh, which is called benachin, or uh, we call it kebo. Like so, the same. We have the same the same food, but we just call it different, uh, mm. depending on if if you Wolof or Mandinka or whatever. So I grew up on that. Like I, all my friends, <laughs> it's amazing. It's yeah, yeah. Like um, I get it. It's it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. And um, I'm sure you probably can't have it right now because you're you're in camp. You're you got a fight coming up in seven weeks. Tell us a little yes. bit about that. You're fighting on April fourteenth. Yes, yes, yes. I'm very happy to be back. Uh, I had, after the finals, I had like seven, eight weeks of vacation. Uh, then 
finally got back to Vegas, started the training, and uh, just a couple of weeks after I got back, I got a name, I got a date, and I was like, oh my God. Then it, start, it starts getting back to the reality, you know, a little bit. And I'm very happy with, um, uh, with the opponent. Uh, stylistically, I believe it's a very good fight for me. Uh, I say that uh, with no intention of taking this uh, guy lightly, but I think that on paper, he suits me very well. It's nothing that I haven't seen a lot of times before. And I think that what he wants to do and what he tries to do and the way he, he had his path to victory is, uh, is going to be hard because um, taller, faster, and I believe more knowledgeable striker than he is. Uh, he doesn't come from a wrestling background or grappling background. So I'm very, very happy about the, the fight. And with all that being said, if I, I expect you to come out gun blazing. Hey, knowledge is power. Knowledge is mm. power. Yeah, I love the way you fight, buddy. I've I've seen a couple of your fights. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I generally I tuned in to see someone else and end up watching you. So <laughs> I got to give you respect there. The last fight I watched with you was against one of my favorite fellow Canadians, uh, Rory McDonald. Oh, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was it. Was a great. It, <laughs> I'm not sorry. But I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a great fight. It was a great fight, yeah. and I do think you deserve the win. So, thank you. Like full respect to you. Now, uh, on the international football or soccer stage, who who do you root for? Uh, of course, I root for both Sweden and Senegal. Okay. You know, uh, I don't know if you remember, but 2002 in the World Cup, they faced yes. each other. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was clearly rooting for Senegal. Uh, I, I can't lie. I was clearly oh, okay, rooting okay, for Senegal. Okay, okay. So. I, I was in Sweden, living in Sweden. <laughs> uh, at that point, I've never sat my foot in Senegal, but I was still rooting for them, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's, that's fair. I think... Uh, like I'm born in Canada, of course. My father's from the Netherlands, so I think if if the Netherlands face Canada, I'll probably there'll be a part of me rooting for Netherlands first. So I, I, I gotta... also maybe because you think Netherlands is gonna be able to do more damage later on in the correct, <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. Yeah. Now, have have you ever been to Canada? I haven't. Uh, I've actually wanted to go uh, a couple of times. Uh, I have some some friends out there, but I've, it's just not been, just haven't happened yet. But I'm definitely going, definitely. Okay, and who who do you train with in Vegas? So I train at uh, Extreme Couture, and uh, like I work a lot with Ray Sefo, mm-hmm. and then uh, we work a lot like uh, alone, like privately, and then. I work with Eric Coach Eric Nixick, Dennis Davis, Nate. They have a lot of good co- good good coaches out here. And then when it comes to the training partners, that's the biggest to me um, difference between being in Sweden and being out here in Vegas. Because not only do you have a lot of guys in the gym already, but there's always fights out here in the UFC Apex or the UFC the T-Mobile Arena or whatever. And also you have the, the Performance Institute. So there's always fighters coming through. Like, oh, I'm going to be here for two weeks. I'm going to be here for one week. I'm gonna, like, maybe if, let's say, for instance, a guy has a, uh, uh, one guy has a fight and his coach is a pro fighter as well. 
his core lineman, right? So he comes in and get works at Extreme Couture for for maybe two weeks. So we always get new new bodies, and it's just amazing. So I believe that's part of the growth for myself. Any young guys you think are coming up that we might want to know about? There's a lot of young guys. I have to. I have to. I have to put put out my 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 fellow Swede Amir Albazi. He's fighting in the in the UFC, so it's not unknown. It's not, but I just I just think that he he he's on a great path, and uh, uh, I just spoke with him uh, yesterday, and I'm I'm just uh, so he's he's fresh in my mind. So I I just want to see I want I want I want to see him succeed. You know. Okay. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Now. One of the things you touched on earlier in the interview is the weight cut and the sauna. Now, obviously, by sitting in the sauna, you lose weight. What are some of the other benefits that, as a fighter, you get from sitting in the sauna? So, for me, I actually I, I don't do the sauna as much uh, as I used to. Uh, and when I'm cutting weight, I'm using a sauna blanket. So, I'm not sitting in, in like a regular sauna, uh, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. but so what I do know about the sauna in general is uh, like it's very good for like not only the sauna but doing like hot and cold, uh, going back and forth between hot and cold is is very good for your recovery. Uh, and uh, I've gotten a lot of like when it comes to the sauna, like if you were to do it, like let's say you do it three times a week or four times a week, like fifteen twenty minutes, like the benefits of of not getting sick and like I don't I don't remember that so I don't want to quote but there's a lot of health benefits coming with cold sitting in the sauna but I do some something similar instead I do a lot of hot yoga which is it's not as hot but so I get the stretching in at the same time and I get this sweating so that's a, that's been my when I, I switch from the regular sauna to the hot yoga so to speak nice. Yeah. All right, I might, I might consider that hot yoga. Okay, <laughs> try it. Try it. it's amazing. All right, I'll give that one a go. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it back to Canada because you said you hadn't been here, but I gotta ask if you've tried this. Have you ever had a Canadian dish called poutine? Oh my god, I have. But you know what? So I have like before, before my when I'm cutting weight, I'm always looking at uh, after the fire, I'm gonna have this. After the fire, I'm gonna have that. Right. So I was in New York and I was looking at a, some, a couple of different Putin restaurants and I've never tried it, but it looks so delicious. And trust me, when you're cutting weight, it looks even more delicious. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I have it, I have it, but it looks like, it feels like you get so full. Like if it's mm. like, I would, I would overdo it, like, because it's so good. So I would be like, a lot of times you, you, you'd be like, yeah, I'm not gonna eat until I like feel sick. But that feels like one dish that I would do that with. Yeah. Now, now hold on. How hard is it to live in Vegas when you're surrounded by buffets and you're cut? Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, like it is hard. It is hard. It is hard to have like a social life, being out with friends, whatever, and like not eating with people uh, because it's. It's Vegas. You have a lot of a lot of amazing foods. You have a lot of, but at the same time, it all boils down to I know that come weight cut week and come the like I'm I'm 
I'm just gonna, uh, it's gonna be so much harder for me if I don't stay professional and, you know, so I, I have my eyes on the price, but it's not easy. It's not fun. Uh, but it's not complicated. You just know that you can't do it. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, you've been doing it long enough. You've you've obviously gotten accustomed to it. Now, yeah. Sadi, where can our, our fans and followers find you on social media? So usually, uh, not usually, my, I'm most active on, on Instagram. Okay. Uh, so, so I would definitely uh, say Instagram is the best way to reach, uh, to follow me. And uh, I always post all my updates, come fight news, uh, like training videos, whatever. So, so that's uh, Sadi Busi uh, on Instagram. All right. And your next fight's coming up April, is it 23rd? No, April 14th. 14th. Uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm fighting Jaral Salawi from Jordania. It's going to be the co-main event on that evening. I'm uh, fighting at the Virgin Theaters here in Vegas. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, I'm seven weeks out and I feel, I feel uh, amazing. And I'm, I'm looking forward to winning another title season yeah to any of our mma fans that haven't watched a pfl event do yourself a favor tune in once you've watched one you will probably want to watch the next because it's a very unique format extremely action-packed there's very little stalling going on because of the way it works and does it feel different to you this year because you're coming in as a champion or does it feel the same to be honest the only thing feels different is my like my i believe in what i do more so than ever before. So, but I, I don't, I don't consider myself having any upper hand, so to speak, because because like the bet is not gonna help me when they close the cage. I, I'm, my opponent is not gonna think about November. See what I'm saying? So, with that being said, I'm working, uh, I'm working harder than ever, uh, and I'm putting myself in the position to win each fight, and uh, that's the only thing I can do. Right on. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's awesome. And Sadi, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? Uh, not that I can think of. I, I think we, we, we got through through a lot of it, and uh, hopefully we can we can do it again coming end of the year, and and maybe before the finals or something like that, or maybe after another win, like. Yeah, all right. That'll be cool. If if you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer this. If you don't want to get it. Might be a little bit personal, but when you won the, the, the million dollars, was that like one straight check or are they hooking you up in, in like payments or something like that? Uh, no, it's you have you just have to wait for your uh, drug test to clear and then you get paid. <laughs> it's that simple. And it nice. takes like one, two weeks. Yes. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience. Where no sport left behind.